Hey, good morning. Good to see everybody here. How's the Seahawks doing? Do we know? Not sure. Nobody should give away the score. I'm sorry. Ah, what was I thinking? I'm not thinking about anything but the Bible, people. That's all I'm thinking about. It's all pastors think about. Hey, we're glad you're with us today. We're concluding a series uh, in Psalm 23. How many of you like the Psalm, the Psalm 23? It's an amazing Psalm. The thing about this Psalm is it's like one of the most poetic Psalms within all of the songs that are there. And it's easy because it's so poetic and because it's so well-known and recited that we lose some of the deep theology that's behind it, that there's some really important truths in this Psalm that we want to make sure that we receive and we uh, lay hold of and we kind of walk in. So we're going to read this psalm in entirety because today's the last uh, particular Sunday of this psalm. We're in verse 6. So if you have a Bible, open it with me to Psalm 23. We're going to read it together, and then I'm going to unpack verse 6, the last verse of the psalm. Here's how it goes. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Don't you love it? David is concluding this inspiring psalm by not being worried, by not feeling anxious, by proclaiming and declaring who God is and where how God will be there for him. It's the capstone of the whole psalm. Maybe you've lost sleep recently because of some of the things going on in our world. There's some pretty troubling things. Would you not agree? I mean, think of of the Ebola scare right now that's going on, uh, starting in West Africa, and now, of course, three cases that were discovered in Dallas. And because of those three cases... I mean, Frontier Airlines, there was somebody that actually traveled on Frontier that had Ebola, and that that created a huge scare and a stir. They ended up washing that plane four different times in order to deal with that. Somebody on a cruise ship, two elementary schools closed, all kinds of ripple effects of concerns and fears throughout the country, all over three people, which all of them very significant. The World Health Organization says that by December, there'll be 10,000 people per week in West Africa that are um, potentially contracting Ebola. I mean, it's, uh, it's a super big concern. And then because of, of that, I mean, the markets respond to that worldwide. We experienced just in the last couple of weeks some major dips Uh, that signal to some a possible crash. I'm not saying that there would be that. There's the the stuff going on with ISIS and beheadings. and I mean, there's enough. I'll stop here. There's enough, isn't there, 
to look into the future and go, wow, that just troubles me. That scares me. I don't know what, what exists out there in the future. Psalm 23, verse 6, David says, Surely, confidently, courageously, a yes, goodness, and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In other words, as he looks into the future, there's not this fear and this impending doom of his future. But he confidently, he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me. Where do you get that kind of confidence? Wouldn't it be great to have that in our heart, in our spirit, as we walk forward into our future, no matter if it's a national issue, a worldwide issue, or a very personal issue in your own life? If you're a believer, there are three reasons that I want to point you to why you don't need to fear about your future. And they all revolve around three things found in this last verse. And the first one is this. God is watching over you. The verse says, Surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. Because God is good. God is a good God, and I can expect his provision and his protection. I can expect that no matter what happens, God will bring good out of it. Either it'll be for my own good or for the good of someone else or for the good of his kingdom. Psalm 145 says, the Lord watches over all who love him. See, God cares about every detail of your life like a loving, perfect father would. He knows you by name. He knows every hair on your head. He sees every tear that's shed. And God cares for you. And he knows our weaknesses. He knows our fears. We don't know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Surely, goodness will follow me. Now, the word follow in the Hebrew language means to pursue. It means to follow after, to pursue. I I had an experience not long ago. I was at a restaurant eating. I had forgot my credit card and the little little thing they give you, the little black folder. And I had gone out, checked out, gone to my car, started the car. We were driving off, and here runs the waitress after me with my credit card. I mean, she was pursuing me with something good in her hand. And it's that picture of, of, of goodness following after us. It pursues you. God is pursuing you with his goodness. Now, just because God is good and just because he's pursuing us with his goodness, does that mean that you will not encounter troubles, trials, suffering, tragedies in your life? No, it doesn't mean that. We know better. That's not true. You can have all the faith in the world, and there'll still be things that hit your life that come out of nowhere you didn't expect that pull the carpet right out from underneath you. He's saying his goodness will follow us. Good things will always come out of whatever happens, the bad, the evil, the difficult. God will ensure that good will come from it. Listen to this verse. Many of you may know this verse, Romans 8, 28. 
And it says this, listen closely, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Who is that promise for? For those who love God. Everything does not work out for good for everybody around the world just because you're a person, and we quote that sometimes, that verse. But it's for those who are called according to God's purpose and those who love him, who want to serve him with their whole life. God says for you, I will make sure that my goodness and my mercy follow you and bring good out of bad situations. Let's clarify. Not everything is good, right? Doesn't mean that he's going to bring only good things. It's saying that he'll work together for good. And that's what it means that goodness will follow me. There's no difficulty, no dilemma, no defeat, no disaster in the life of a Christian that ultimately God will not bring something redeeming, something good out of it. Because eventually he will somehow. Now, it's, it's easy, though, when you're going through a tragedy or you're in a place of suffering or difficulty, whether it's some, something happening to you that you didn't expect, didn't ask for, didn't deserve, or whether it's something we brought on by our own actions. You see, there are times when you don't feel that God is good, right? There are times when you actually get angry at God. And you, you know that's okay? If you're going through a hard time and you can't see out of it, and you're wondering where God is, and you have some questions in your heart of why, and you're angry, God can handle your anger. You don't always feel his mercy. Even Jesus on the cross, as he's in excruciating pain, dying, giving his life for us, he said, God, where are you? Why? Why have you forsaken me? See, we don't always see the good when we're in the middle of a situation, but it's only later after looking back. When we look back on the cross, aren't you glad for what happened and how Jesus Christ brought good out of such a bad situation? That he died for you and me and God redeemed it. Paul was falsely put in a Roman prison, rotting in jail falsely accused. Was that good? No. But he was kept in this, in this prison as a prisoner in Rome, and it gave him a lot of time to talk to God, to pray, and to write. And so today we enjoy much of the New Testament because of Paul's writings. You see how God brought something amazingly good and redemptive out of such a bad situation. How is God at work in your life? taking whatever it is that you're going through right now and working to bring something good out of it. Psalm 91 says God orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. God uses angels. You will not become an angel. Some of you are not angels. And you won't, when you die and you leave here, there's a common myth that you'll become an angel. You'll get some wings or something. Nope, you will not become an angel. But angels are real. And God creates them in part to encourage us and help us and protect us, and they're here on this earth. God will always be with you through adversity. He doesn't exempt you from, exer- from adversity, but he will walk with you through it. 
because God is good all of the time, even though life isn't. And because of that, we can look to a future with confidence, knowing that God is with us and that God is protecting us and God's goodness will follow us. Another reason is that grace is working in you. Grace and mercy. See, not only goodness will follow, but also God's mercy will follow you all the days of your life. And I'm so glad that God has not given me what I actually deserve. I mean, aren't you glad that you don't get what you deserve? That's mercy. Mercy. Grace is when we get things we don't deserve. We get gifts that we don't deserve. Have you ever been at a restaurant where maybe somebody purchased a dessert for you? There's a guy back at the sound booth that did that for me once, and I remember it. Just sitting there eating, and somebody, you know, this big chocolate cake shows up, and I'm like, I'm already full. But I don't know, you know, some mysterious guy purchased it, and it's like, wow, I didn't deserve that. God's grace gives you good things that you don't deserve. God's mercy holds back things, bad things that you do deserve. Aren't you glad for his grace and his mercy? that it follows us all of our days. You know, you know why that's important? Because when you look into the future, you're going to blow it. You know you are. You're going to make some mistakes. You're going to sin at times. There'll be failures. There'll be things you regret. But knowing that God is already there with his mercy and with his grace, because I need his forgiveness, and you need his pardon, and we need his healing, when you really understand God's grace and his mercy, it's not that God is out there wanting to, wanting to get even with you somehow. When people go through tragedies and hardships, they often look at their life and get super introspective and wonder, is it that divorce that happened? Is it that teen pregnancy? Is it, is it that, that, um, that sin that I committed in my past that now God has allowed this to happen to kind of pay me back? No. God doesn't need to pay anyone back, and he's not out to get even with you. He's bigger than that. Trust me. Jesus has taken the penalty for everything you've ever done and everything you ever will do, and he let it rest on himself at the cross. So when a bad thing happens, you don't have to think God's trying to get even with you. God is not paying you back for some mistake in your past, all of our mistakes were nailed to the cross with Jesus. So you don't have to nail yourself to the cross. Mercy and grace following you, pursuing you. Psalm 103, just let this kind of soak into your spirit as I read it from the message translation. Oh, my soul, bless God. Don't forget a single blessing. He forgives your sins, every one of them. He heals your diseases, every one of them. He redeems you from hell, saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, beauty eternal. God makes everything come out right. He puts victims back on their feet. God is sheer mercy and grace, not easily angered. He's rich in love. He doesn't endlessly nag and scold nor hold grudges forever. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve, nor pay us back in full for our wrongs, as high as 
Heaven is over the earth. So strong is his love to those who fear him. And as far as the sunrise is from the sunset, he has separated our sins from, from us. When you understand that mercy and that goodness and that grace, I mean, God is more than that. This is not all that he is, but he is that. We need to receive that and celebrate that. And when we look into our future, we can approach our future with confidence and courage, knowing that there's not like a light at the end of the tunnel when that light is a train, you know, and his name is God. That's not how it works. We can come before God's throne where we receive mercy and grace to help in our time of need, the writer of Hebrews says. Mercy. It's like some of you parents that you feel like you follow your kids around all day long, picking up after them. Some of you feel that way. Go to one room, there's a mess. You pick it up. You go to another, you pick it up. You go to another, and it's something else. And that's this. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? My kids, that's my husband I do that for. <laughs> and I know, Tisa does that for me. But that's a picture of God following us around, helping us clean up the messes that we make in our life. So thankful for mercy that it follows me around. Mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Not some of them, not most of them, but all of the days of your life. And you're going to need that mercy because there will be days you wake up happy and excited about life. There will be days you wake up lonely and depressed and you don't want to get out of bed. But you never have to face a day without God's goodness and mercy following you giving you the life that Jesus Christ promised. He'll be with you. When? All of the time, whether you feel like it or not. There are days when I wake up and I don't feel like it, but I declare it in faith because I know it's true. There are days I feel it. There are days I don't. But every day we wake up, we can declare it. There's a psalm. This psalm uh, and this particular psalm, Psalm 23, is about a shepherd and there's an interesting thing about how shepherds lead a flock. Shepherds go before the flock, and the, sh the flock follows them. They're out in front of the flock. Whereas if you're, if you're leading cattle, you know how you lead cattle? From behind. You push them. You drive cattle. But you lead sheep. Jesus Christ is the good shepherd, and he leads us. He's already out in front. He's already in your future. He's not bound by time. And so we follow him. And you know what follows behind a shepherd and the sheep? Are sheepdogs. And they, they cross back and forth and they kind of nip at the heels of the, of the sheep in order to keep them together and keep them following the shepherd. And that's goodness and mercy following after you, chasing you, <coughs> pursuing you, keeping you in the flock and helping you follow Jesus. Goodness and mercy are like divine sheepdogs in our life. All right, the last thing comes out of this particular verse is heaven is waiting for you. You notice he tells us that goodness and mercy follow after us all the days of our life. And then he says, and I shall, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The most important connection in this entire psalm is right there. That his mercy and his grace is there but that's not the end, because the end is not this life. 
See, we are designed by God, created from the very beginning to live as eternal beings, not just to live for 60 or 70 or 80 years. We were designed from the very beginning to be in fellowship with God, our creator, forever and ever and ever and ever. And that is our destiny. That is the destiny of every person who names the name of Jesus and follows after him with a whole heart. 2 Corinthians 5.1 says, We know that our body, the tent we live in on earth, will be destroyed. But when that happens, God will have a house for us. It will not be a house made by human hands. Instead, it will be a home in heaven that will last forever. Forever. See, someday your body will break down and it will die. It will, it will, it will cease to exist, but your soul, who you really are, will live on forever and ever and ever. God's desire is that we spend eternity with him. God's heart, the scripture clearly tells us, is that every one of his creation, every person would live for eternity in heaven, not hell. Hell is a place of separation from God, not in his presence, not living in the, under the banner of his love. Heaven is a place where there is life, there's joy, there's peace, there's fun, there's work that's congruent with who you are and your spiritual giftings. Revelation 21 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Don't you want that? I long for that. I wish that was my reality now. But that is the reality that God says waits for us in heaven. How do you receive heaven? How do you know you're going to heaven? If it's God's heart that everybody goes to heaven, how how do we get that? Jesus came for that very reason that whoever would believe in him and place their trust in him and what he did on the cross would not die, would not perish, but would have everlasting life. I need Jesus. I need the good shepherd. I need him as both Lord and Savior of my life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse, uh, verse 3 says, What a God we have, and how fortunate we, have, we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. There's wonderful joy ahead. But we are just visitors on this earth. It's not our permanent home. Any, anyone ever live in a house before where you knew when you lived there, I'm not living here forever. You know, you moved in, you got a good deal on it, whatever, but it was like in the sketchy part of town. It was undersized, you know, for your family. It wasn't at all what you had in mind for your life. But you're like, we're here, it's God's provision, we're happy, we're thankful, we're content, but we're not staying here forever. You ever feel that way about anywhere you've ever, I've, I've lived in a house like that. And here's what would go through my mind, whenever we would go to remodel or do anything, it was like, 
is this, gonna, is this a good investment? You know, you want to change the carpet out? Well, I talked to a realtor, and they tell you, you know, unless, you know, it, if the carpet's thrash, change it. But if it's okay and you just don't love it, leave it. You know, oh, a bathroom? Oh, if we can get a bathroom kind of put here and done for a reasonable price, I could add value to the house. Okay, we'll do that. Every decision was driven off of, is this going to add value? Is this an investment for the future? We'd buy a piece of furniture. We'd go, is this going to go good, look good, be the right piece of furniture for the new house that we're going to get? When are we getting the house? I have no idea. I just know we're not staying here. <laughs> what if we thought of our lives that way? That we're not staying here forever. We're going to live eternity with God. He has a house waiting for us. And every decision we make, if it was based on eternity, I want to live my life to please the one I want to spend eternity with. Why would you want to go to heaven if you don't love Jesus? You're going to spend eternity with him. So I want to live in a way that brings pleasure to my God. I want to, I, I want to say no to the things that are dis destructive because it's not, it's not a good investment in eternity. God has an eternity waiting for us. Let's not be stupid and get wrapped up into materialism where our life becomes about just getting bigger and better things. Such a waste. All that will burn. It's so temporary. I want to constantly remember that life is not wrapped up just in this world, but it's wrapped up in an eternal God that we are destined to spend eternity with. When you face the future, what do you see? Does it bring anxiety in your life? Do you look at it with eyes of doubt or cynicism? We have two choices in life. We can either face the future as a cynic, a doubter, with negative thoughts, expecting the worst to happen, or you can face the future expecting God to be with you out in front of you, leading, leading you to good places. And even when we go through hardships and valleys and dark places in our life, we have goodness and mercy that follow us all the days of our life. In Psalm 23, we see how much God loves us. We've seen how much God cares for us. And he says, I want to be your shepherd. See, the bottom line is that what we need more than anything else in this life is Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. That's what we need. That's what I need. And he offers that, that personal relationship with him. That's why I can give God my stress and receive his rest. And that's why each and every one of us need the good shepherd in our life so that as we walk into our future, we can Declare with the psalmist that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray together. God, eternal Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you love us and that you left this psalm for us to be encouraged and inspired through, but also, Lord, to be grounded in that there's truth here that can ground us and keep us secure as we look into our future. We don't have to be freaked out like the world around us. 
but we can have a, a sense of confidence and certainty that we know, we don't know the future, but we know the God who is there in our future. Would you give him your fears and anxiety about the unknowns of your future right now? And just pray along with me. God, I give you my anxiousness. I give you my fears. I give you the unknowns. And I trust you. I trust that you love me. I trust that you're good. I trust that you're already in my future. That I'm not going to miss it. But you're going to lead me as a good shepherd does. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not 100% certain of your eternal destiny. You're not 100% certain you're going to spend eternity with the God who loves you and made you. And I want to invite you to open your heart. God would that every person would come to know him, live forever with him. And all it means is just opening our heart, being honest, humbling ourselves, and just saying, God, I... I've blown it. I've sinned. I'm inviting you in right now. Would you do that? Pray along with me. Jesus Christ, I invite you into my life. Forgive my sin. I receive what you did on the cross, paying the penalty for me. You are the good shepherd. And I'm embracing you as my Lord and Savior this morning because I want to walk with you and I want to live with you in eternity. And I receive that today. Just in this moment of prayer, if that was you, would you just lift your hand, reflecting, I, I prayed that. I'm inviting Christ in. Amen. Good for you. Good for you. Amen. Good. I see you. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Lord. God, you see each and every hand and heart. Lord, I pray that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would fill them with a confidence of their future, a confidence that they will spend eternity with you, not based on their own merits, but based on what you did at the cross, and that they have said yes to you. And Lord, for each one of us, help us walk out of this place with confidence in our heart that you go before us and the goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.